So yesterday was a, a kind of a laid back day for us. Uh, didn't get going too early, made some pancakes. We had um, two nephews and, and a niece over. So we had, we're just having fun. And so uh, it's been a while since I sat on the floor and just played Legos. So I was playing Legos with my two nephews and uh, we were having a great time and they were just thoroughly enjoying themselves. But what I noticed was they were enjoying themselves differently. So one just spent the whole time building. He first he built a car and then he built a boat and he was just he was constantly assembling and he was having so much fun with his building. The other one he he might have put three pieces together the whole time we played. But what he did was he would dig through the bin of Lego and find broken assemblies of somebody's creation of years gone by and he would imagine what it was and he would interact with that piece by creating a scenario and he would and he would play and he said oh this looks like this and then he would play with it like it was a a, a battleship and then he said oh this looks like a gun and then he would play with it like it was a gun so they were so different and yet they were both having so much fun and what I was thinking was people are different <laughs> Like, I, I know you know that, we, we, we experience that every day, um, but like, you know, some, some people you just click with, of course, you, that's how you get your friends, you have common interests, you have common likes, you have things that you enjoy, and so they become friends. Other people, um, you, you just don't seem to have anything in common with them, and so you don't, usually don't spend a lot of time with them, or, or perhaps even when you do have to spend time with them, there's some tension, and there's conflict, and, or maybe irritation. Um, you know, we deal with people that are opinionated, people that are rude, people that are selfish. And then the next minute you could be dealing with someone who's just so kind and so generous and so humble. Um, some people uh, will just tell you exactly what they think. And then other people you have to like kind of uh, decipher the code because uh, they're, they're not so clear in, in how they say things. And then those are those are just those are just sort of personality and character. But below that surface is um, each person has a, a worldview that was developed based on you know their upbringing and religious beliefs and maybe where they live and what culture they're in. Uh, some people are more conservative by nature, and some of them are more liberal. And and uh, so all of these things kind of just add to the complexity of people. When Sarah and I were first married, we knew that we loved each other. Uh, we were we were in love, and we we knew we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. But as we went through, especially the first year of marriage, but in the early days of our marriage, we realized that our backgrounds really affected how we thought about things on a level we never had had understood before. So. Um, we realized that me growing up with two brothers and Sarah growing up with four sisters meant that we had some things to figure out. I grew up in Canada, the north. Sarah grew up in Blairsville, the south. I grew up in a city. Sarah grew up in a one-stoplight town, uh, Blairsville. So there were a lot of things that came into play that we had to learn about each other. And um, we had to spend time to understand each other. And, and there, were, there were things from scripture that helped us to uh, relate to each other. And, and every day in life we are re relating with people and it's not always easy, 
But the good news is we have God's word and his word helps us in our relationships. And so we've been looking at, at uh, the book of First Peter. Turn to First Peter chapter three if you haven't uh, been there yet already. That's where we're going to be. We've been working through the book. Peter's given very specific instructions on how we are to relate to authority. He's given specific instructions about uh, slaves or servants and their masters, specific instructions to husbands and wives. And uh, those have been very helpful things. But this morning, uh, these are just more general instructions for living. And as I was uh, reading through and as I was um, studying, I've just found, I've just been thinking about relationships and I've been thinking, man, if we just put these things into practice, if I put these things into practice, relationships would be so much easier. They'd be richer, more fulfilling. So as we, as we come into this this morning, I want to remind us that uh, in chapter 1, verses of, uh, 1 Peter, verses 15 and 16, Peter has called us to be holy. And uh, so let's just look at that real quick before we get to chapter 3. Peter says, but he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Uh, verse 16 says, have we got it? I've got it. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the basis. God said to the people of Israel, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So he's saying, Peter's saying to us, be holy in all your conduct. And of course, we, we looked at that definition. Uh, we talked about uh, the definition of holy means to be set apart or distinct, uh, to be separate in a class by yourself, even out of this world. And when we think about living a pure and sinless life, it certainly is an out-of-this-world experience. And so we are to reject sin and reject selfishness, and we are to be living for God. So as we look at these instructions, we're just going to look at a couple verses in First Peter chapter 3 this morning. These are going to help us in our effort to be holy, as God's called us to be holy. So let's read these uh, first two verses. This is what we're going to study this morning. First uh, Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Just two, two short verses that are just packed with instructions for us. Um, and so as we, as we jump into this this morning, Peter says, finally, all of you. Uh, I think he says finally because he's kind of concluding a, a section on relationships and how we are to interact with each other and how we are to relate to each other. So he says, finally, all of you. This is for all of us. All means all. So it means you. It means me. It means everyone. And this is what he wants us to do. He says, have unity of mind. Maybe your translation says to be of one mind. And you read that and you think, man, how in the world are we supposed to have unity of mind? Um, we, we started by talking about how people are so different. If you, wanna, if you watch the news, and we've talked about this before, um, you, you watch the news and, and you, you hear this opinion and this opinion and it's, and uh, the, our culture just demands that we take a side and that uh, we are for something and which means we must be against something. And it, and it just tends to become personal. 
But we're called here to have unity of mind. So um, first, let's, let's just be reminded, these, these instructions are for believers. Peter is writing to Christians. Uh, you're not going to have complete unity of mind with an unbeliever because there's a difference of belief in what, who Jesus was and what he did and what it means for us. So there is a, a level of disunity. But for those of us who are in the faith, there should be a level of unity among believers. And those who founded the House of Prayer, uh, they knew that, they recognized that, and so they used a motto, a motto that a lot of churches and organizations have used over the years, uh, and that's this, no book but the Bible, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. And so as believers, we must have unity in the essentials. So what are the essentials? Well, I would include in that uh, the doctrine, doctrines, uh, like the authority of Scripture, um, that uh, Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he lived on the earth, uh, that we are justified or we're made right before God when we put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, perhaps the Trinity probably should be included in that. These are, these are essential things that if, if you say, well, I'm a Christian, that, that we, ha- we should have unity on these types of things. Um, in other things, though, uh, we have liberty uh, where we say, well, I don't think that that is right, but we're still believers and we can still have unity. So some of those things might be uh, like baptism. We have uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord that would do infant baptism here at House of Prayer. We do uh, believers' baptism by immersion. It doesn't mean that they're not Christians. It doesn't mean that we're not Christians. We don't see eye to eye on that. That might lead us to worshiping at a different church, but we can have liberty in that. Uh, some things, um, some things we have liberty in might be uh, things of eschatology or the end times. We all agree that Jesus is returning. Uh, there's there's different viewpoints, there's different understandings of the timeline for that. So you might be sitting beside somebody, uh, maybe at home today, I don't know, but uh, definitely when you get to church on Sunday morning, uh, you're going to be sitting with people that don't have the same um, belief and understanding of the end times as you. But we can have unity still. We can worship together. We can serve the Lord together. Um, We give some liberty there. But in all things love, no matter how big a difference you might have with anybody, a believer or an unbeliever, we are called to love. So we are called to have unity. We recognize that that doesn't mean we agree with everything, but we have uh, agreement on the essentials. And so as Christians, we need to unite together. And and I've got a couple of verses here from Romans. Listen to what it, it can look like when Christians unite together. Romans chapter 15 Paul says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. So this harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that's describing unity. Look what the result can be. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Believers can come together, and when they come together in unity and in harmony, they will glorify Uh, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants us to do, is to bring glory to Him. That's a powerful statement that when believers come together in in unity, we can glorify the Father. So um, we are to have unity of mind. We're to remember that we have so much in common through Jesus Christ. Okay, the second thing that's listed here is sympathy. And this is something I I think I've grown uh, a lot in over the years. I know I have a long ways to go. 
uh, but it, it, it's the idea of having compassion. It means that you you recognize that someone has feelings and you you do your best to feel that with them. Um, so I confess to all of you uh, guys last week that I can be a bit of an oaf sometimes. Uh, and, and the reason I get... <laughs> We, Sarah lovingly uses that uh, description of me is because I can lack sympathy sometimes. And honestly, I used to think that sympathy was feeling sorry for somebody. And that's not sympathy. Sympathy is when we attempt to feel what they're feeling. So uh, Romans, going back to Romans, this, this verse here just describes having sympathy. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. If someone's celebrating, celebrate with them. If someone is mourning, uh, we've list, we listed some this morning that have lost loved ones in the last uh, week or two, then we mourn with them when we grieve with them. And so sympathy is recognizing where somebody is, recognizing how they're feeling, and just attempting to feel that with them. It's not having all the answers, but, there's a, but being there with somebody can really make a difference in their lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is another good um, way that we express sympathy. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We, as a body of Christ, we are united together. We are one body, and so we rejoice together, we suffer together. We mourn together, we rejoice together. So we are called to have unity of mind. As believers, we are called to uh, have sympathy for one another. We're also called for brotherly love. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. And we talked about uh, brotherly love Back in the first chapter, uh, Peter mentioned it. He's mentioning it against, again here. Philadelphia was chapter one. This is a slightly different word, Philadelphios. Um, loving like a brother or sister. L- loving, loving your people. All right. I hope that this morning you would call the, the House Prayer Church your people. Loving your people like they're your brother or your sister. Loving them like family. Um, that's not always easy. Uh, if you if you uh, if this is a person that you like, you get along with, you agree with, it can be easy to love that person. But if it's someone that you disagree with, it can be harder to do. And so, um, one thing that I think we can do when we're having a hard time loving somebody is to try to look at them the way that God looks at them. They're they're human soul loved by God. God loves them. God cares for them, and He's asking us to love them and care for them like you would love for. Um, uh, your brother or your sister. We need to love people like their family. So here's something you can do. Sarah, you you stole my thunder already. Um, but probably in the last year, there are so many people that have had less human interaction than they have had in a long, long time. So um, I want you to get a pen, get a piece of paper, get out your phone and put in a reminder. Think of somebody that you know you haven't seen in a long time, and this is what Sarah asked you to do, but give them a call this week. It's great if you pray for them. It's great if you text them. Um, it's great if you, if you do different things, but give them a call. Say, I was just thinking about you. I uh, wanted to let you know, I know we haven't seen each other in a while, but still love you, still care about you, and just connect with somebody this week. Let somebody know that they're not forgotten. We're called to have unity of mind. We're called to, to have sympathy, understand each other's feelings and point of view. We're called to love like family. We're called to have a tender heart. 
Now this is similar to the idea of sympathy, um, but it's the idea of having compassion for people. Um, it's recognizing the situation that somebody is in and, and caring about that, trying to understand um, what they're going through, um, how it is affecting them. When, when I worked at the, at the fire department down in Gwinnett County, we'd have the Atlanta News uh, playing usually at lunch and we'd have it playing again at dinner. And inevitably, uh, there'd be a news story of someone who'd committed a crime and they had been either arrested or they were arrested and, and now they're in jail. And I've got to be honest, you know, generally my thoughts would be something like this. Well, that's good. You know, if that's what they did, then they deserve to be, they should be arrested and they should be put in jail. Now that would be justice. And there is a place for justice, but that's not sympathy. There's no sympathy there for that person. And so sympathy would be saying, or a tender heart, um, what we're talking about here is to be thinking, well, how's that affecting that person? Um, you know, wh what, about their what about their family? Like what would even lead somebody to commit a crime like that? Uh, so we should not just uh, see justice, but also to have a tender heart, have compassion for people. It was so good last week, we had Kevin and Kelly Burgess with us, and uh, they shared about their ministry that they wrapped up in Germany, and they're on their way to Alaska. But Kevin uh, read a couple of verses from Matthew, and I'm going to read them again this morning. Uh, I love this description of Jesus, and this is, a, this is where I've got places to, things to learn. But Matthew 9, 35 says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. He was in their church. He was in the community. He saw the sick. He saw those that were afflicted. And verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, another translation says they were wearied and cast away or distressed and downcast. So Jesus didn't condemn them uh, for, for, for where they were, but he had compassion for them. He had care and concern for their souls. So um, back to 1 Peter 3, we see that we are to have unity through Jesus. We are to understand each other's feelings. We're to love each other like family and to have a tender heart towards the situation that people find themselves in. And then it says to have a humble mind. Now, this isn't just straight have humility. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, it's a different Greek word, and so it's a different um, a translation here, a humble mind. It doesn't say have humility. It says have a humble mind because it's the idea of being courteous and friendly to each other. The King James, I think, says courteous. Um, so this is a definition I read on this word. Having a mindset of love, which is quick to show friendly and courteous behavior. Now, who do you think, when, who do you, who's the first person that comes to mind when I say that? A mindset of love, which is quick to show friendly, courteous behavior. That's Pastor Jerry. That's what Pastor Jerry has modeled to us um, all of these years. Having this mind, you're better than no one. Everyone that you meet is of equal value. Everyone that you meet is worth getting to know, worth being friendly to, worth being courteous to. We're showing that brotherly love and that tender heart to. Uh, so thank you, Pastor, for that, uh, for your example to us and what it means to have a humble mind, just to care about every single person that you come into contact with. These are general instructions. And when I read this, unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind, 
Well, that's going to help us in every single relationship that we have. Jesus told his disciples the night before he's crucified that the world would know that they were his followers by the love that he had for one another. So as we, as we read this verse, I got to ask you this morning, how are you doing? You know, looking at these, there's one, two, three, four, five things Peter mentions here. How are we doing in each of these things? What do we need to work on? Not, oh man, I got to do better, but listen to the Holy Spirit. Speak to you, speak to your heart this morning. What is the Holy Spirit encouraging you to, to work on this week? So, verse 8, as we look towards verse 9, I notice the same pattern that Peter's had over and over again. He gives some, some general instructions, and you, you read those, and you think, oh yeah, that's pretty good, I can work on that, and yeah, I do pretty good there, and I can improve a little bit there. And then he hits us with the hard stuff. So, verse 9, he continues with this with this pattern, and uh, this isn't new teaching, but it is, um, it is definitely something that we need to learn. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. All right, he says, don't, don't, uh, don't repay evil for evil. If, if you have been wronged, if someone has done something wrong to you, you don't repay that by, being, by doing something wrong back. Reviling for reviling. Uh, this is the idea of, of when someone speaks out against you. Um, this is a, it's a strong word. Angry criticism. Constant disapproval. Continually speaking against. So if someone in their, in their actions, they're evil, or in their words, they're reviling, treats you in a way that, that you don't deserve or is not fair, the call here is don't repay with the same thing. Our tendency is wanting to get back. So it's, it, 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 is, um, it is something that Jesus taught about. Peter would have heard Jesus uh, teach about this. Luke chapter 6, uh, Jesus had said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Don't repay with evil. Don't repay with reviling. But repay by loving, by blessing, and by prayer. Paul taught the same thing in Romans chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, bless. I don't know what I'm reading. I'm reading a different verse. This is a great verse, though. Repay, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Uh, in, in Romans 12, 14, Paul says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And of course, we have Jesus' example that Peter has already shared with us in chapter 2, uh, verse 21, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, so when he was, when he was spoken evil about, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When, some, when, when, when you're mistreated, when someone does evil against you, when someone speaks poorly of you, we are to follow Jesus' example and entrust ourselves to God, because God is a just judge. Let 
We are to show sympathy, compassion, love. We're to bless. We're to pray for those who would treat us that way. Leave the judgment to God and show them the love of Christ. And this is what Peter says in the second half of the verse. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. To this is, you, this is what you were called, is to bless. We have been saved so that we can be a blessing. Now, to, to bless someone is to speak well of someone and then to act on that speech. So it's not just to say, well, the Lord bless you and keep you, and then just forget about them. When we, when we bless someone, we speak well of them and we follow through with that, with action. So um, we are to bless. The Lord said to the people of Israel through the, Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, I will save you that you might become a blessing. And of course, this was, this was from the very beginning, this was God's plan. We see that when God blessed Abraham and uh, in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, when God gives Abraham the blessing, he says, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you. Our relationship with the Lord is a blessing from him and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God wasn't just looking to favor Abraham because he was a nice guy and thought, well, I'm going to make his life better than everybody else's. He blessed Abraham so that Abraham could be a blessing. Verse three says this, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. See, we leave that to the Lord. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's us. We're in a relationship with God because through Abraham, Abraham followed the Lord. He passed that on to his children. It trickled down, blessings upon blessing, trickled down generation to generation as the Lord uh, worked through his people of Israel as Jesus died on the cross. And now we are, we are blessed. We are in a relationship with Jesus. And now we are in that position where we are to be a blessing. Uh, Stephen Cole said this, God's people are blessed to bless others. God pours out his grace on us so that we will slop it over on others who are starving and dying without hope. So let me ask you, who do you need to bless this week? All right, we have a promise at the end. Bless, for this is to what you were called. Uh, sorry, back in 1 Peter verse 3. Bless, for this is to what you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Now, we don't bless so that we can be blessed. It's not like, oh, maybe I'll do this so I might get this. But it is the natural result. Who do you need to bless this week? If you watch the news, there's a lot, a, a lot going on. We watched in horror a, a week and a half ago, the Capitol riot. Uh, the inauguration's coming up this week. Uh, you know, a lot of different things are, are happening. But if we're honest with each other, if we're looking for examples of unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind, we're not looking for that on the news. We're not looking for that uh, from our leaders in Washington. Uh, that, that's not where we're going to find it. That is not the example that we're setting. No matter what happens in, in Washington or in the news, we can watch the Atlanta news, you can watch the, whatever news you want to watch, whatever happens out there, um, that doesn't change the fact that we have an opportunity 
today. We have an opportunity this week to have unity with believers, to have sympathy, to show brotherly love, to have a tender heart, to have a humble mind and, and, and to, uh, to be courteous and to be friendly. We have a responsibility as believers to be a blessing. How will, how will someone know about the good news of Jesus Christ if we don't speak it? We, have, we are to bless because that's what we are called to. We have people that we will interact with in some form or fashion this week. And so uh, the question is, will we be a blessing? Will we have unity and sympathy and brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind? Or will we speak evil of those who speak evil of us? Will we revile those who revile us? The attitudes and actions that we uh, portray, that we carry out on a daily basis, those attitudes and actions are either um, putting us in a good position to share the good news of Jesus, or it's putting us in a position where nobody really wants to hear what we have to say. And so as we, as we seek to be holy because, we, because God is holy and he's called us to be holy, we need to have this, this attitude of unity, an attitude of sympathy, of brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. These things are the things that are going to give us opportunity to speak truth into those who need to hear it. I'm going to quote uh, Stephen Cole again. Uh, he says this, an African proverb states, there's only one crime worse than murder in the desert, and that is to know where the water is and not to tell anyone. God has led us to Christ, the living water. I'm still quoting him. He has blessed us with his salvation, and he promises to bless us even more abundantly in the future. He didn't save us so that we could sit in the lifeboat feeling warm and cozy, oblivious to the loss of the world. He saved us so that we may become a blessing to others. If you're saved, but you don't have your focus on blessing others, you've only got half the picture. He blessed you so that you may become a blessing. And, and, and for me, this, as I've been studying these verses, um, unity, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind, this, these kinds of attitudes put you in a position to speak into someone's life. These kinds of attitudes with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your friends, even maybe your family that you don't get along with, the, these kinds of attitudes are the attitudes that Jesus set the example for us with, and these are the attitudes that Peter here is calling us to as we follow after him. So um, a, a lot in just a couple of verses here, a lot to uh, make us think. And so I've got the two questions for you. How are you doing with these types of attitudes was the first question. The second question is, who do you need to bless this week? I'm not talking about calling them up and say, may the Lord bless you. But who do you speak, need to speak well of this week? Who do you need to um, uh, be tenderhearted and sympathetic to? Um, who do you need to have a humble mind towards? And then recognize that we are called to bless. We are called to bless as Christians. Also want to encourage you before we close today, I want you to read this next section that we're going to look at next week. Um, Peter, in verse 10, he moves into quoting Psalm 34. 
part, part of Psalm 34. I want you to read these next verses. I think we'll probably get through maybe verse 15 next week. But, but read this next passage, and I want you to go back and read the, the chapter of Psalm 34. And uh, it'll, it'll just kind of put us all in a good place as we uh, prepare for next week. But this week, um, as, as we just close this time in a, in a word of prayer, I want you to think about um, how are we doing on verse 8 in, in having these attitudes that Peter is calling us to? And then who is it that we need to bless this week? And uh, I pray that, um, let me speak well of you, the church family. I feel like you guys are a loving bunch. You love God well. You love to worship God well. Um, I think of those who um, just support and push the missions emphasis at the church and uh, just help with our missionaries across the world. You, you guys are a blessing to me. I know that you're a blessing to your family, to your neighbors, uh, through our missionaries across the world. And so my encouragement is to let's, let's not just pat ourselves on the back, but let's, let's double down and say, Lord, we want to serve you well. We want to represent you well. We want to be in a position where we can bless. And so we're going to take on this attitude uh, uh, that Peter's described here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for sending your son, who was a perfect example. And he wasn't treated well. Uh, it says that he suffered and he was reviled, uh, but he didn't speak back against them, but he entrusted himself to his Father in heaven. And Lord, uh, sometimes that's what we need to do in our life. We're not always treated well. Uh, we're not always uh, spoken well of, but we just need to put our trust in you. And Lord, uh, more than just putting our trust in you, we need to uh, uh, pray, we need to love, uh, we need to bless those that um, would come against us. Uh, Lord, we need to have an attitude of, of unity and of sympathy and of brotherly love and tender hearts and humble minds, uh, not just in a, in, in a, in a warm, cozy um, uh, surroundings of our church, but into the community, a community that needs to know that you love them and needs to see examples of Christians who are salt and light, representing Jesus well so that they may uh, bless and they may um, have opportunity to speak the truth of your gospel into, into uh, the areas of, of this community where they live, where they work, and where they play. So Lord, would you work in, in our hearts to give us this attitude, to give us the mind of Christ so that we can then go out and be a blessing in our community. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.